Welcome to Neighbor to Neighbor, a podcast focused on highlighting extraordinary individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ, a not-for-profit cooperative credit union based in Bellingham, Washington. Drive down West Holly Street in Old Town Bellingham, and on any given day, there's a good possibility you'll see a number of homeless people standing outside. Those people are there because that's where the Lighthouse Mission is. My name is Keith Mater, and in this episode of Neighbor to Neighbor, we speak with Hans Erkinger Davis, the Executive Director for the Lighthouse Mission. We'll discuss a number of things, including what the mission is doing to help, why there are so many homeless people in Bellingham, how you can get involved, plus what he suggests that you do for panhandlers when you see them on the side of the road. Well, Hans, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Yeah, absolutely. So I would like to start off very simple. Who is the Lighthouse Mission? Lighthouse Mission Ministries has been around for 97 years. It has a multi-pronged response to homelessness in Whatcom County. Everything from the trust building relationships that happen on the streets uh, with our outreach, uh, which is uh, Street Connect and Shower Connect, offering showers in the community and, and developing those trust relationships to get people into the next stage of our drop-in center, which has all sorts of different supports. And it's meant to be a motivational space for people that want to take next steps and, and really engage their life recovery. Those next steps are our Ascent program for men and our Agape home for women or, or moms with kids. And those programs are addiction recovery programs that are, that are designed to really take people uh, through their deepest hurts and address those things and everything that's got them homeless uh, and get them into a place of life flourishing. Wow, that's a lot. Those yeah. are a lot of programs. Lots going on. So obviously I think a lot of that probably grew out of the need, out of kind of understanding how to help folks that are kind of experiencing different things. It started with what? When it first started out, what did it look like? Uh, years ago, 1923, it began on Holly Street, actually, uh, and uh, kind of in the parking lot area where the uh, the Vietnamese restaurant is, and uh, eventually burned down. But it was really for a lot of people that were in the area that were loggers and fishermen. Uh, and it was kind of smack dab in the red light district of Bellingham. It was the rough and tumble uh, town back then, people heading out west to to make their fortune and a lot of people really kind of suffered in that time and found themselves experiencing homelessness mm -hmm. and the mission was for them. Over the years it's evolved as the need has evolved. Uh, today we have a lot more younger people that, that come in our doors. Their addictions are different, not only just to alcohol, though alcohol is the number one thing, oh. but a lot more mental health uh, issues that we're seeing and, and needing to address. and and. Um, and we also see, of course, a lot more families as well, which wasn't the case back in the, the 50s and, and 60s. Mm -hmm. I understand um, that in Whatcom County, there's other nonprofits that also help with the issue of homelessness, and they serve maybe families or women more so, but maybe the Lighthouse Mission um, is, some, is an option that's one of the only one for men. Is that accurate? So the Lighthouse Mission is the only walk-in shelter, walk -in shelter. Uh, from Everett to Vancouver, B.C. Oh, wow. So we cover a few counties, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's, um, it's designed so anyone can just show up and there's a place to be. We call it the, the gateway to Bellingham. Yeah. Uh, if you're from out of town or if you're in town and you find yourself homeless, this is where you go to access services. We have about 25 
strategic community partners that we partner with that also are working in issues of homelessness. So our women's shelter, the Agape Home, uh, a lot of the women that come in are dealing with domestic violence uh, or they're CPS involved or they're uh, involved in the justice system as well and and, uh, just depends on on the person and what the needs are. But there are a ton of other agencies too that are really working hard, but but we're the ones that uh, are dealing with the bulk of, of everybody that comes in our doors. So do you see a lot of people that are from out of town that are not from, you know, maybe Bellingham or Whatcom County originally, but they come to seek services? Yeah, we do. It's uh, the ratio, according to the point in time count, that's done annually is 70% Whatcom County, 30% uh, non-local. Wow. And so the, the bulk are local, um, but some are not. And those that are not, uh, we see more of that in the summertime. People are a little more transient. They can travel a little easier. Yeah. Uh, we do see a lot just being on the I-5 corridor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also kind of the, the last stop on the homeless highway of I-5. The uh, homeless highway. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, I kind of made it up, but it's oh. it's uh, it's a lot of people are traveling up by five. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had a dime for for every person that was trying to get to Alaska, uh, seriously, that bounces off the border and ends up at our shelter. Seriously, uh, yeah. So why Alaska? Uh, it's the final frontier. It's uh, opportunity. I see. You know, get a job in the fishing industry or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so people are trying to do that. But if you got felonies or anything like that, you can't get through uh, Canada. That makes sense. So people. Yeah, Border Patrol drops off people quite a bit. Really? Yeah. That's and, interesting. Uh, and they stay with us, and typically they'll go back to where they came from if it doesn't work out. Gotcha. But some, you know, a lot of people are trying to seek a new life, just like anyone that comes to Bellingham. They're looking for work, and they're looking for, yeah, a fresh start. And so they'll, they'll try and do that here. And Some are successful, some are not. Yeah. Do you guys ever provide transportation or help with transportation if somebody needs to get back somewhere? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah it depends on how well we know them and, and if they have a place to go back to. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the key. So we'll have people sometimes show up that have, like uh, I think of one, one man who had a significant developmental disability and he had left all of his care in another city and showed up with us. And we finally figured out where he was from. It was hard to get it out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we discovered that, oh man, you've got tons of support back where you came from you have an apartment wow and um, and he just kind of got a wild hair and decided to, to skip town so wow. anyways we were able to get him back into care but through careful coordination with his care providers back home i'm sure every situation is very different it is needs are always different there's mm-hmm. some certain certainly some similarities that we see across the board with people we also find that that underlying a lot of it and i've said this before in places people don't become homeless because they've run out of resources people become homeless because they've run out of relationships interesting so you or i find ourselves homeless maybe we can stay with our families they'll take us in until we get back on our feet or we have friends we can couch surf with at least or things like that mm-hmm. uh but if you found yourselves in our doors typically those opportunities are longer there for for a variety of reasons wow um the week you office that i work out of is kind of close to you guys and so i'm driving past all the time and yeah i feel like recently with the colder temperatures i've been experiencing that there seems to be more people do you see a bigger need in the winter time yes we do our, our needs kind of they're seasonal or the i should say the need is seasonal uh winter time is when the most people uh, are coming in our doors it's when the severe weather shelters come online mm-hmm. as well uh, and those are ones that you guys Take care of. We, or we partner with partner with uh, typically churches that gotcha. that take in our overflow. Gotcha. So when we start to max out our capacity, uh, our capacity is around 250 people. 
on an average night. Mm. And we start to max that out, and uh, we don't want to be turning anyone away that's really wanting the service. Mm -hmm. Some people really don't want the service. They, they prefer to stay out in the woods. And for a variety of reasons, a lot of times it's shame-driven kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Or there's, they don't want to accept charity. They're very, you know, they got a strong sense of, of self-dignity and not wanting to have to need help. Um, and so they'll stay out there sometimes. So when it gets really cold, even the diehards, they'll come in. Mm. And that's our hope, actually, is that they come in and they cultivate a relationship with staff. Mm. When they cultivate the trust relationship with staff, that's when you start to get traction with somebody. I and see. they begin to believe that maybe change can happen. They start wow. to cultivate a sense of hope. And that's our, our aim, is to cultivate friendship with people mm. on the street. That so they're they, able to help them believe in themselves and exactly. then filter them to the right next step. Exactly. And we get them into those right next steps cool. and start to deal with the, the physical poverty they might have or the emotional challenges they have or the social poverty and their economic poverty uh, and their spiritual poverty. And we begin to address those things. And then they, you start to get that traction. You start to see a life beginning to be in a place of recovery. And they get on a trajectory. And then they, they start to become what we call housing ready, where they can actually get a place and keep it for the long haul. And the, the ripple effect is incredible. You'll see, you'll see families begin to be reconciled. Remember that family kind of breakdown that often occurs? Mm -hmm. uh, that starts to get reconciled. Moms are getting their kids back out of the CPS system as they, mm -hmm. as they stabilize. That's what brings tears to my eyes when I, when I see that because my office overlooks our women's shelter. I see these little kids coming in, you know, and you oh just, your heart just breaks knowing yeah. the world that they've come from. But to see yeah. these families coming together, and, and that's everything. I mean, we were a Christian organization. We pray with people. And, and the number one heart cry that people are asking for isn't to get a job. It isn't to get a, a place to live. Their heart cry, the thing they're asking for prayer for, is to get reconciled with their families. Mm. I just want my family back. Mm -hmm. And and to be able to see that realized is one of the most beautiful things wow. ever. Amazing. What might be some misconceptions that you would find with people looking from the outside at what you guys are doing just in your different ministries? It's yeah. a generic question, but... Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, there's, there's tons of misconceptions. <laughs> I could, yeah. I could name them, a ton of them. Um, some of the, the more common misconceptions is that everybody's a criminal uh, that's homeless. Uh, I, I get that a lot. I get the the um, people are just being lazy mm -hmm. uh, why don't they just get a job mm -hmm. that kind of thing and there, there certainly is some of those kind of character defects that some people have but but uh, by and large what we see a lot of is people that have experienced what they call adverse childhood experiences mm -hmm. so and, and there's a whole scoring thing with this where you can if you have a high score uh, they call the ACE, ACEs score mm -hmm. uh, you have a much higher likelihood of experiencing homelessness mm. or, or significant life dysfunction, and so those are the uh, those are that's what people miss sometimes. And people can lose compassion when they see someone panhandling on the side of the road, mm. uh, be like, "Oh, they're that's just a lazy bum" or something like that. Mm. Uh, but what they don't realize is where they've come from, mm -hmm. and you can have a lot more sense. I mean, still it might be causing problems. <laughs> the street behavior might be a problem, uh, but when you know where it's coming from, it changes your approach. Mm -hmm. and how you address it. And when you know the true issue, the underlying issues, like that, that relationship poverty I was talking about, mm -hmm. when you start to address, or you offer an intervention that's addressing that need mm -hmm. beyond just a material need, that's when you start to see a life begin to, uh, to change. Wow. What's your opinion on panhandling? 
panhandling is a is always a hot topic, mm-hmm. uh, especially in our, our progressive community. Uh, it's it's um, one of those things that I encourage people to people that are panhandling. It's an interesting thing I should say. People that are panhandling are often what I call invisible people. Mm. In that everyone sees them, but no one looks at them. Mm. A few do, uh, but many do not. And if you think about what does that do to your sense of dignity as the panhandler when people are pretending you don't exist, mm. it makes you feel pretty bad. Uh, it makes you feel worthless, and you're already feeling bad because you're putting up a sign asking for money and not doing anything for it. And so, what's what's truly going to be helpful for the panhandler is the question I like to ask. So you're looking at it kind of from their perspective yes. as you speak to them. Yeah, as you speak to them, what's going to be helpful? Is just giving them a dollar and saying God bless and moving on going to be helpful? Uh, in my opinion, not usually. Uh, what I find more often than not is money that gets given to someone who's panhandling keeps them stuck in the woods. Ah, interesting. But what you ought to do is give my contact. Ah. Learn their name. Give them a, a bottle of water or give them, we, have, we pass out these uh, little cards called the Old School Guide to the Drop-In Center that has all the times for meals and oh, all the cool. different services that are available there with all our partners and everything. And uh, give them something like that or granola bar, something basic that, that welcomes the opportunity to interact oh. and to give someone that sense of dignity that we do see you. We know you're suffering. We, and, and you might be panhandling for this money to shoot something up your arm or get a, another bottle of alcohol, but, but that's not what I'm here for. I want to know you. Wow. And that sense of connection is a very powerful thing for someone on the streets. And another thing I say a lot is, is the opposite of addiction is connection. If you really feel connected, you don't need, you don't need the anesthetic for the pain of the loneliness you experience. The opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah. Fascinating. Those are really, I mean, you say you say it all the time, but they're good. I mean, they're really helpful, I think. So that's really cool. Yeah. So what is in the future for the White House mission? What do you have on the horizon? We've got a lot on the horizon. Uh, I know we've got our our big gala that comes up. We're privately funded operation. So we're always seeking uh, funds to help operate all the facilities that we have and all these different, we have 10 different shelters within our, our five different facilities. Uh, offering interventions at whatever stage of recovery someone might be in, from zero recovery to advanced recovery. Uh, so we're always, you know, seeking that at our galas on March seventh, and that's a big fundraising event for us. Uh, that's a big thing. Uh, some of the other stuff we're looking to do is, is, I mean, this is this is out there a little ways, but we're we're seeking land for another shelter oh, that we want to build. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, one of the challenges we find is is with some of those misconceptions people have about the homeless, uh, neighbors don't always want to have this kind of uh, shelter uh, in their backyard. And that's something that, and I get that, uh, but also the need continues to be so significant. It's like, well, what, what are we going to do as a community? This is a big deal. We need to do something that's going to move the needle on homelessness. And so that's our effort to respond to the need is build an additional shelter that's going to be able to host uh, and, and meet the need effectively with where people are at. Not just a one-size-fits-all thing, but a real kind of tailored type of shelter that really uh, addresses the various needs. Everything from medically fragile people uh, to seniors to um, women that desire to, to be separated from the men with the, the daytime shelter. Things, uh, things along those lines. 
uh, are big needs that our community needs to, to focus on. We're hoping to be able to, to be a part of the solution. And you're looking in Bellingham? We are looking in Bellingham, absolutely. Do you serve any other communities in the area beyond Bellingham as far as like having a physical presence there? We do not right now. We are looking to expand some of our outreach into the county yeah. uh, as well as other counties. We've had some requests from Skagit County oh. uh, to have our host our shower trailer oh. as, as well as our, our Whatcom County here outside of Bellingham to host our shower trailer. Mm-hmm. The need there it requires additional staffing hours and we have to be able to fit this in our budget right. to be able to, to do that effectively. But I tell you, it's one of the most powerful, it's a visceral need People don't want to ride the bus smelling bad and having people mm-hmm. move away from you, or, mm-hmm. or or smelling in the corner of a coffee shop and the barista eyeing you. People don't it makes want you that. feel like less seen when you. Yeah, you feel less seen. You feel invisible, or yeah. you feel uh, like people don't want to be around you, right. and you don't feel welcome. Mm-hmm. But when you feel clean and you've taken a shower, and especially during cold days when it's really, I mean, showers are super warm. They're mm-hmm. super hot in showers. It's a really nice uh, arrangement. This two stall shower with a toilet and sink in each one. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a really nice setup, and to be able to offer that in a community where someone can get their dignity back, yep. uh, and cultivate a relationship for next steps. That's key, and it's so important to have the next steps available and have that kind of, that primed pathway to next steps. If it's just a one-off support, uh, that can be good for the moment but it doesn't provoke long-term change. Mm-hmm. But if you're a part of a continuum that has long-term change in mind mm-hmm. and you engage and get people taking those next steps, you've been a success in my book. Mm, very cool. Um, we hear a lot about the aging population in America. Um, have you seen any of that as far as like the people that you're serving? Um, do you have any kind of concerns or kind of looking at that in, in the future as being maybe a population that's going to be growing yes you're, you're nailing it on the head yeah. we we do see that we are seeing more seniors mm-hmm. that are fairly vulnerable mm-hmm. part of it comes from you know you get your social security uh, as you're older and then rental prices go up and then you you're priced out of the market where do you where do you live at that right. point and so we're seeing more and more of that or people with real medical challenges as well and so that is something that uh, we're very, very interested in getting ahead of the curve on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing more of that. I also anticipate, you know, I, I talk about homelessness as being a relational problem, mm-hmm. uh, more than just a material need problem. And, you know, as the culture grows up and we have a uh, next generation coming up that is kind of born into internet use and and screen time and all this and losing some of the relational connection abilities of being in, uh, in fr- with other people and reading body language and things like that. And I do anticipate seeing a younger generation maybe experiencing homelessness as wow. well uh, because of the, the challenge it can be to, to relate with other people. So uh, there's, a, there's lots of little uh, kind of subsets mm-hmm. of homelessness that, that we see uh, the hope, of course, is that some, especially some of those, those adverse childhood experiences mm-hmm. that young people have, uh, that, that that lessens or gets addressed. Because that's getting at the front end of the problem. Right. We're the ones that are the catch-all for everybody, the Lighthouse Mission is. 400 people a day are coming through or are, are engaging with us in some way. Mm-hmm. 250 staying the night, uh, an additional 100 coming through just for the clinics and the meals that we offer, and then probably another 50 every night just out on our Street Connect vans and the shower trailer. Mm-hmm engaging people uh, it's, it's a lot of people 
Uh, we've seen our numbers increasing significantly over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of us wonders, like, is it because the services are better? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're creating a more welcoming environment, mm-hmm. or is the need continuing to grow? And and uh, kind of hard to put your finger on. It is hard. It's kind of a moving target sometimes. But we really uh, we want to be the best solution that we can be and most effective solution that we can be in our community. And and, and we hope to be a model for other communities to follow as we continue to, to grow and get better at what we're doing. Very cool. So if someone wanted to help or get involved, what are just a couple of ways, what are the, what are some of the best ways for somebody who's listening to this to say, I yeah. really like to help them out. What can I do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously we always need the financial support, which is why we're so thankful for what Weku's mm-hmm. done for us here. It's a huge, huge help for us. Being privately funded, that's that's a critical uh, aspect of what, what we need. Uh, but one of the most powerful ways to get involved is to volunteer. Mm-hmm. I love seeing volunteers' eyes just open. Mm-hmm. to the reality of the need in our community mm-hmm. and, and also recognize that they do have something to offer as a volunteer and you rub shoulders with people that have lost everything mm-hmm. and it, and it kind of helps you reprioritize your life what right. matters and you can see what matters right in front of you mm-hmm. and that's a that's a really uh, great way to get involved and there's a lot of different kinds of ways you can volunteer and not, not just with us there's other agencies out there that are doing good stuff uh, that you can volunteer with but you can we've got a little cafe in our drop-in center you can learn to become a barista we even teach you how to roast coffee beans oh got a cool. little roaster in there it's a it's a fun setup uh from from that we, we take we take relational volunteers that come and just hang out with mm. our, our guests at the tables in our drop-in center we've got tons of classes that we teach in our recovery programs mm-hmm. that that require volunteer instructors to come cool. in uh, we have we do envelope stuffing, all the mailings that people mm-hmm. get in the mail. Those are all stuffed by volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of meal serving, of course. We're doing around 400 meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, serving people food, and, and we're helping out with the shower trailer. Uh, we always need volunteers with the shower trailer. Um, one of the more exciting ones, I think. But it all depends. Everything's exciting. But, but uh, it's going out on our Street Connect ride-alongs mm-hmm. with the vans. Uh, we have a staff person and typically someone from our higher level recovery program, mm-hmm. uh, as well as up to eight volunteers going out every night, uh, actually four nights a week, and engaging people out on the streets. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole training that goes with it, your safety videos and all these sorts of things to get you really well prepared for that. It could seem a little scary at the outset, but you're like, oh, this is okay, very well thought out and well planned. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get out there and... and you really see the need in our community. I'm hoping to get a bunch of our, I mean, it's a fairly new program. It's just started this last year. Mm-hmm. I want to get all of our, our electeds out there mm-hmm. to really see the issue and have the emotional connection with the need right. and say, oh, we do need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And, and I know many electeds are doing something about it, but, uh, but just that emotional connection is what gives you the energy a lot of times yeah. to fight for these precious lives on the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, this has been really cool for me. I mean, I I feel like I've learned a lot, and I really appreciate you taking the time today to chat with me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Neighbor to Neighbor, a community-driven conversation highlighting individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ. Unless specifically stated otherwise, WeQ does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast, and information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement.